This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And so if you have your Bibles now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I want us to think about that. The message today is the judgment seat of Christ. For those of you who are not familiar with the particular time that we are living in right now, every Christian should know this. This is a very elementary, fundamental truth, but you need to know this as a believer. The time that we are living in right now is known as the dispensation of grace. You need to know that. You need to know that as familiar you are with John 3.16. When I say that we're living in the dispensation of grace, I emphasize that this is also called the church age. Keep that in mind. The dispensation of grace is known as the church age. In the book of Acts, we are told how God sent the Holy Spirit to initiate the church age on the day of Pentecost. You have to remember this. Now, in the prelude to that, Jesus had earlier declared to Simon Peter that he was the rock whom the church would be built upon. You remember what Jesus said there in Caesarea Philippi. He said, upon this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But here is the interesting thing. Jesus is not building the church with bricks. He is building the church with believers. Understand that. Now, I want you to listen very carefully, if you will, this morning. Just as the church age had its beginning, the church age will also have an ending. The church age began with Pentecost. The church age will end with the rapture. That's imperative for you to understand. And as I've already said, the rapture is the next prophetic event that is going to take place on God's calendar. Now, the Bible is very clear. There is no mystery to this. It's very clear. The Word of God tells us how the rapture will begin. Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to show you some things beginning in verse number 16 through 18. Now, these are incredible verses, and you have read them several times in your spiritual walk. But I want to share with you, some of you will hear something this morning for the very first time and given clarification to it probably uh, than you have ever known before, and I hope so anyway. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 16, look at these passages of Scripture. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. I'm glad he's not going to send an angel for us. 
The Lord Jesus himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. Now notice this carefully, with the voice of the archangel. Now, I want you, if you will, if you have a habit of writing in your Bible, to underline the words, the archangel. Do that. We're going to come back to this in just a moment. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, let me say something interesting here. I want you to look at it very carefully. The word archangel is only mentioned two times in the entire Bible. That's significant. Only two times. The word archangel is mentioned here, and it's also mentioned one other time in the book of Jude. In fact, Jude verse 9. If you want to watch it on the screen, that's fine. If you want to turn to your Bible, that's okay. But it's imperative that I read this for you. It's very interesting and very important. In Jude verse 9, the Bible says, Yet Michael, the archangel. Just a few moments ago, I asked you to underline those two words as the Apostle Paul was writing in 1 Thessalonians. But here, in Jude verse 9, we find those words again. The archangel. You might want to underline it here as well. Now, this is very important. Let me finish the passage. When contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst, or that word durst means dared. Dared or durst not bring any or against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Now, notice this word archangel again. It's never used, never used in the plural sense. When you read this word, the archangel, only two times in the Bible, it's in the singular tense, and it means one. Now, if you look at the rest of the verse very carefully here, uh, you can see, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Now, listen, I know many people have a belief in their heart that we are waiting for Gabriel to blow the trumpet. How many songs have been written about when Gabriel blows the trumpet? I mean, we even sing it in the midnight cry when Gabriel sounds the call. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. Nowhere in the Bible... Does the word archangel ever makes reference to Gabriel? Only twice in the Bible do we find the word archangel, and in both of those cases, and especially in this one in the book of Jude, it specifically mentions Michael by name. Michael, it doesn't say one of the archangels. It doesn't say Michael among the archangel. It says Michael the archangel. And that's very significant. Now, verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds in 1 Thessalonians 4, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, when this happens, notice how the Bible says to meet the Lord in the air. Notice that. You see this meeting immediately when the trumpet sounds. God the Father is going to signal Michael to blow the trumpet. 
Jesus will majestically arise from his throne, being seated at the right hand of the Father. He will walk out into the corridors of space. He will then descend into the clouds as Michael sounds the trumpet. And then according to the word of God, the Lord Jesus is going to position himself in the air. This meeting that is going to occur is going to be not in heaven, not on the earth, but it's going to be in the air. That's where the judgment seat is going to take place. And it's going to take place immediately after the rapture. Now, let me emphasize something. There is a huge difference. I've taught you well on this, and I hope that you retain it. There's a big difference between the rapture and the revelation. The rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye at the trump of God. Those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together. We will meet the Lord in the air. Now, when the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture, he will be positioned in the air. Seven years later, he will come back in the revelation. And when he comes back in the revelation, he does not position himself in the air. He actually comes to this earth. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 14, verse number 4, And in that day his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, and according to the word of God, the mountain will cleave in two. So you have to understand the difference. But now the judgment seat will take place immediately after the rapture in the air. And here's the thing to remember. It will only involve born-again believers. That's important for you to understand. This is not a generalized judgment. It will not be an ocean or sea of all of humanity. It will only be for those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we're going to stand before him in our glorified bodies. This is when we get those glorified bodies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51, we find the Apostle Paul elaborating on that. Let me move down to verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. <clears throat> so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So here's the thing that I want you to understand. <clears throat> it's at the rapture that we receive the glorified body. It's at the rapture where we meet the Lord in the air. Okay, go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. I want to break this down for you this morning. The Bible says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, I want to break this down for you. I want you to see the first part of it. Paul says, for we. I want you to look at that. Paul is talking about born-again believers. I want you to hold your finger here. We're going to come right back to it. But I want you to see another passage of Scripture in reference to this in Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12. Now again, Paul is talking about we. He is directly referencing those in Christ, those who have trusted Jesus 
as their personal Savior. Now, in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, look at this. So then every one of us, that's not talking about the humanity of the world, when Paul emphasizes for every one of us, so then every one of us, us is talking about the blood-washed redeemed. Now, shall give an account of himself to God. All right? Flip back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Look at it very carefully. For we, we understand what that means. Now notice this next word, must, if you will. Now, this word must, that's a required necessity. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse number 7? He said, ye must be born again. And Jesus was emphasizing this, that if there was any hope of heaven, if a person was going to go to heaven, the only way to get there was through Christ. And he said this, you must, he didn't say do good. He said you must be born again. And that word must, Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3 verse 7, has the same accountability, has the same preeminence as this word must here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Now notice this other word. It says all, for we must all. I want you to look at that. There's no exceptions. Absolutely no excuses. Listen, nobody will be able to take a restroom break right here, friend. It's not going to happen. Nobody's going to have a sick note. Someone may say, well, pastor, I just don't do good in front of people. I just don't think I'm going to do it. Well, I want you to understand that on this particular day, every single believer is going to be subjected to the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. Now notice the next word, appear. That's a spiritual summons that all of us have. All right, now notice the rest of the verse. Before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. This is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have a personal reckoning with us. And this is going to be a time of judgment, and it's also going to be a time of reward. And I will tell you at the judgment seat of Christ, there will be a positive element to it, and there will also be a negative aspect to it. And this morning's message I want to speak upon and focus upon the positive more so than the negative, but I don't want to exempt that altogether. I want us to look at the things pertaining to rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And someone, I'm sure, might assume that because in heaven some will have more rewards than others. And let me emphasize, yes, indeed, that will happen. Well, pastor, if somebody has more rewards than this person or that person, doesn't that open the door to jealousy? Well, that creates some interesting conversation. Let me ask this question. Pastor, does that mean if there are people in heaven... This one has more rewards than this one, and this one has more rewards than that one. Then does that mean, preacher, that there are going to be some people in heaven who are more happier than others? And if that's the case, pastor, if more people than not are happy here and not happy there, <clears throat> doesn't that open the door for people to be jealous <clears throat> over others in heaven? Pastor, let me ask you this question. <clears throat> If a person has five crowns, this person has three crowns, and this person has one crown, and this person has no crowns, 
Does that mean that heaven is going to be divided in sections? First class, second class. What does that mean, preacher? If there are going to be some with more crowns than others. Let me tell you this. None of that stuff will occur. This is going to be so personalized when we stand at the judgment seat that I believe the only focus at the judgment seat is going to be on ourselves individually how we're going to stand before him. And I believe that the only emotion that is going to be felt in heaven has two components. It's either going to be that of rejoicing or that of being ashamed. And I think it's possible to be ashamed at his coming. You say, well, I've never heard that. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28. If you would look there quickly with me, and I want you to see this. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28. The Bible says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Okay, let me move on and discuss three aspects, three important aspects of the judgment seat of Christ. And I want you to get this now. Let's rehearse it. Where does the judgment seat take place? It takes place in the air. First of all, let me say this, that there are going to be some rewards, I believe, that are actually given out on earth. Primarily, we call them blessings. And let me emphasize how important it is in our faithful service unto the Lord. Serving Jesus in this life does come with great reward and great blessing. There's no doubt about that. We enjoy serving Jesus now. We are rewarded in multiple ways when we see people come to Christ and their lives turn around and so forth. But I want you to understand that there are going to be eternal rewards given out at the judgment seat. And these rewards are going to be given out immediately after this resurrection, after the glorification, when we stand before the Lord. This is when and where these rewards are going to be given. Now listen carefully. I want you to learn some spiritual truths this morning. This is very important. There are three judgments that the Bible speaks about that affects born-again believers. Three And if you're writing notes, you're going to have to write fast. Some of you may not have known this. The first judgment that you and I as a believer participate in is the judgment of sin. It's a past judgment. And listen carefully. This took place for you and I when Jesus died on the cross. And when we receive what he did for us on Calvary, We are free from the judgment of sin. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, Paul says this, There is there now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Jesus who walked not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And so it was at the cross that God through Jesus Christ dealt with us As sinners, you have to understand that. I'm reminded of that old song that says, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. 
So let me tell you this. As a believer, we were first judged at the cross for our sin. Now, after the cross, after we have become believers, we are now in a present judgment. And I want you to understand this. You see, the first judgment God dealt with us as sinners. The second judgment that we are actually in now is where God deals with us as sons. First, he judged us as sinners on the cross. Now, since the cross, in our Christian walk as a believer, he judges us as sons. John chapter 1 and verse number 12, let me explain to you what I mean. John chapter 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When we became a Christian, we became a son. I want you to understand, this is a judgment today. Now listen, that we have to encounter every single time that we sin against God in this life, he does deal with us as sons. As believers, when we sin, the Holy Spirit of God brings great conviction to us. And when that conviction of our sin comes to heart, listen, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we do not confess that sin and we are Christians, then God deals with us as sons. And I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 12. Notice with me, if you will, beginning in verse number 5. This is very important. We are judged as sinners and we are judged as sons. Verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and notice this, and scourgeth, Every son whom he receiveth, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? All right, listen to this very carefully. We are judged the first time as a believer for sin on the cross. Secondly, we are judged as sons. But at the judgment seat, we are going to be judged as servants. Let me break that down for you again. We are judged as sinners, sons, and servants. And I want you to look at this very carefully, if you will. This is where we're going to be judged as servants. This judgment takes place in the air. Romans 14. Turn there with me. Romans 14 and verse number 10. Romans chapter 14, verse number 10, and I'm going to give you another one back to back. If you find the place in Romans number 14, you can also turn and mark your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're going to be looking at both of these passages very quickly back to back. Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me read Romans 14 first. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us, notice carefully, shall give an account of himself to God. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 
For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Notice this. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I could also teach a message on eternal security right here. But this passage of Scripture definitely deals with the choices that you and I have made in this lifetime. Every one of us, listen, are going to stand at the judgment seat and there will be a very scrutinized, there will be a very serious, careful examination all of our life's work is going to be tried with fire. So I would suggest this, friend, in the journey. I would ex share with you today that for you to have the best possible outlook at this judgment seat of Christ, don't spend your time focusing on this earth below. Don't get so saturated with all of its pleasures and all of its thrills. Don't focus your attention on that. Listen very carefully, if you will, please. At this judgment seat, it will not profit you one bit to have gained the whole world and the world's riches. Moses learned that truth very early on in his life. I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12. I believe Moses could look ahead and see that land that was fairer than day. He knew that there was a brighter day coming. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 23, the Bible says this, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. So Moses, even in his day, could look ahead and see that there was a land fairer than day. That verse means that Moses was willing to turn his back and walk away from all of the treasures of Egypt and to keep his eyes on the prize of heaven. Now please know that God, at the judgment seat of Christ, is going to remember every single thing that a believer has done. Listen carefully. This ought to perk us all up for a moment here. All of our works at the judgment seat is going to be judged. Somebody might say, well, pastor, I didn't think we were saved by works. That's correct. None of us are saved by works. But I, and in fact, the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, the word says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So understand, we're not saved by works. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, it's important to understand that works, however, even though we're not saved by works, works has a vital part of our Christian life after we're saved. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, notice this now, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
Now, in James chapter 2, verse 26, you don't have to turn there, but listen, the Bible says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now, here's the important thing. None of our works are going to escape the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, we're either going to receive rewards or we're either going to lose them. And the Lord Jesus has his eyes on all of it, whether it be good or bad. In Matthew chapter 10, verse number 41 and 42, the Bible says this, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. And what these verses are teaching is that nothing you do for the Lord is ever going to be considered insignificant. Everything you do for the Lord has great value to it, not only in this life, but also in eternity. Make sure, friend, that what you are doing today for the Lord Jesus Christ will count for eternity. I encourage you that. In 2 John, verse number 8, the Bible says this, and this is very important for you to see. The word says, look not, or look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you know what kind of rewards are going to be given in heaven? I believe they're going to be rewards, first of all, of positions. You might have never thought about this, but every single one of us are going to have a job in heaven. You mean I got to work when I get there? <laughs> yeah, you got to work. All of us are going to have a job. All of us are going to have an assignment. Every one of us. You say, well, preacher, I thought that was the time when I was supposed to lay down my heavy burdens. Well, let me tell you this. You need to think about it because we're all going to have an assignment. In Revelation 22, verse number 5, the Bible says this, And there shall be no night there, and there uh, they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And notice this, And they shall reign, reign forever and ever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said this in verse 1, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? Listen carefully. When we get to heaven, we are not going to be floating on clouds drinking rainbow smoothies <laughs> for all eternity. That's not going to happen. I don't know what your concept of it is, but that's not going to happen. We're all going to be busy. God's got an assignment for us. Now, not only are there going to be rewards of positions, but there is also going to be rewards of adornment. I have to move through this rapidly. The Bible speaks specifically of five different crowns that people can receive at the judgment seat in the air. The first one is the incorruptible crown. 
And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Know ye not they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not uncertainly so I fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So listen, there is going to be this crown. And that is going to be for the faithfulness of a born-again believer. Sec the second crown is this, the crown of rejoicing. That is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 19, the crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? And not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. The crown of rejoicing is the soul winner's crown. Let me ask you the question, are you winning souls? When you get to heaven... Can you go and say before the Lord Jesus, I at least won one. It's the soul winner's crown. The third crown is this, the crown of life. James chapter 1 and verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endured temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. The crown of life is given for overcoming temptations and being faithful to the Lord. Crown number four is the crown of glory. First Peter chapter five and verse number four. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The crown of glory is one given to faithful pastors who have shepherded God's people well. Number five is the crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter four and verse number eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. And this crown is given to those who have faithfully longed and waited for the Lord's appearing. The Bible teaches us to pray. Even so come quickly Lord Jesus. Do you pray that? Now lastly let me ask you this question. What's the purpose of all of this? Pastor you're saying that the next thing that's going to happen is the rapture. When the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, will be glorified. We will meet the Lord in the air. We will stand before him. Our works will be judged. We'll be judged as servants. These works will be tried in the fire. Some will receive rewards. Some will suffer loss. The Bible speaks of five different crowns. Some will win all five. Some will win four. Some will have three. Some will have two. Some will have one. Some will have none. Pastor, what's the purpose of all of this? Why is this going to take place? What is the reason for it? What's the point in it? Somebody might say, well, Pastor, I'm really not interested in all that crown stuff. Man, I'm telling you this. I'm just trying to get through this life. I'm just trying to get heaven. The last thing I want to do is die and go to hell. I don't care about all that crown business. I don't care about all of that. I just don't want to die and go to hell. The only thing I'm interested in is not burning in the flames forever and ever. Well, listen, I want to ask you, I want to encourage you to think differently about that for just a moment. Look at Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 4. Revelation 4 verse 4. And the Bible says, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders. Now notice this very carefully. That's talking about the church, by the way. Clothed in white raiment. 
And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now this is a picture of all the born again believers of all the ages. Every single believer is gathered here now in one assembly. All right, look at this very carefully. The assembly is before the throne. They're clothed in white raiment. And the word says that they're wearing crowns. What's the purpose of that? Verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And notice what they did. And cast their crowns before the throne. So listen carefully. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ and the Lord Jesus gives us the crowns or the rewards that we have so rightfully deserved, he is not going to give us these crowns that we can be adorned as decorated spiritual peacocks where we can strut all over heaven and say, look what I got. Listen, that's not the purpose for it. The purpose for getting these crowns and rewards, listen, we won't keep a one of them. When we get to the portals of glory and after we have gone through the judgment seat, I'm telling you, the Bible says that the significant purpose of getting these crowns is that when it's all said and done, we may lay them at the feet of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Now here's the thing. Now I want you to think about it real carefully. The question is, what will you have to lay at his feet? Let me tell you what I believe the greatest reward in heaven is. And you can find this in Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 1. The greatest reward in heaven. I've just given you five specific crowns that the Bible says that the Lord at the judgment seat will give for faithfulness. But I want to tell you what I believe is the greatest reward of heaven. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 1. After these things... The word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I believe the greatest reward in heaven will be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest words that will ever come out of the mouth of the greatest reward is the words well done. Thy good and faithful servant. Friend, there's going to be a meeting in the air for every blood-washed believer. The question is, will you be there? And if you're there, what is going to be your expected outcome? I want us to understand this, that nobody's going to stumble in. Nobody's going to get there by an accident. Nobody is going to be able to say to the Lord, can you check the books again? I, I remember a time I, I filled out a card and, and I, I remember a time. Listen, the Bible says that many will stand before me in that day and say, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do all these wonderful things? And he said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Not that I knew you one time and you got astray. Not that I had you in my hand, but I let you go. You slipped out. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The question is this. We have no idea when that trumpet's going to sound. But we know that it is. And when it does, we're going to be translated, glorified, 
and immediately stand before him. And it doesn't matter if you don't do crowds well. It don't matter. Listen, I don't know how all of it's going to work. I can just imagine from human technologies that we have today, but I can only imagine there's going to be a big screen up there some kind of way. And when he calls my number, I'm going to stand before the multitude and he's going to push play. And there my life is. He's going to take that. He's going to put it in the furnace. It's going to be tried. And when it's done, I may obtain or I may lose. But I will tell you this, all of us have a reckoning with the Lord. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.